You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, night two is now officially in the books, and it's Devon A. Chain joining Cam Smith for your Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins get even faster with the Texas A&M running back. We're breaking down his game, plus we'll hear from A-Chain and Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer's end-of-night press conference. All of that and much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. With the 84th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Devon A-Chain, running back, Texas A&M. This shouldn't be a surprise. Big time track speed going to Miami. If they aren't fast enough already, they just got even faster. If you thought the Cam Smith podcast was a little bit unhinged coming off of not one, not two, not three, but four consecutive cappuccinos. I've had a long day on this Friday. I've been up since early. I didn't sleep last night. I've been out doing stuff all day. Did radio with Juice and Seth before the draft started. And it's about 11.45 on a Friday night recording this podcast for y'all just at the end or the conclusion of day two of the 2023 NFL draft. Those four cappuccinos got me through the evening because I was pretty tired at that point. But now this draft pick has me fired up to do this last podcast here of the day. And just like that, night two's a wrap, man. One more day left of the draft. It goes by faster every year, it feels like. And somehow, some way, the Miami Dolphins got even faster. On their offense with Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M, the running back, let's go ahead and run this thing back with the background, the stats, the tape, the fit, the presser, including McDaniel and Greer's end-of-night presser. He's five foot eight and a half. 188 pounds at the combine. He ran a 4-3-2 40-yard dash with a 1-4-9 10-yard split. He also posted 4-3-6 in the short shuttle, 33-inch vert- vertical jump, and a 9-foot-3 broad jump. And by the time we set all of that, A-Chain already ran to that mountain and back over there. That's a SpongeBob reference for all you uh, old heads out there. This is one of my draft crushes this year, man. A player that I thought could add the speed element to this offense, that matchup element to another position on the field. We know about Tyreek and Jalen, and then you've got Raheem Speed at the running back position too. Now you go out there and you add a 4-3-2 guy, a guy that some people thought might clip the all-time 40-yard dash record. He has that kind of speed. And you look at different comps out there, shorter backs and stature that can really run. He looks like, you know, some of the guys that have made it happen at that size in this league. And a pretty, pretty low cut frame, good contact balance, keeps that center of gravity grounded, which allows him to drop the pads and run through tackles in that second level with exceptional start stop quickness. And Travis, you said you weren't going to do tape just yet. That's right. And I'm talking to myself here. 
1147 on the East Coast. Let's go ahead and talk about A-Chain's background. Grew up in Houston. Actually told me in the press conference today that he was uh, friends with Jalen Waddle playing AAU basketball when they were younger. Can you imagine trying to defend that team in transition with A-Chain and Waddle? Uh, he became the starting running back at Thurgood Marshall High School in Missouri City, Texas, his sophomore year. Missouri City in Texas? How come these different states have cities that are in different states, like Kansas City and Missouri? What the hell is that all about? He ran for 1,200 yards. <laughs> I'm an A's comedian. What's the deal with their airline food? 1,200 yards, 18 touchdowns, and picked off a pass on defense. That was his sophomore year. As a senior, he went for 2,266 rushing yards. That's 11.3 per clip, 40 total touchdowns, and that included 38 grabs for 768 yards and 10 more tutties. He was named the 2019 Offensive Player of the Year, and they went to -to back-to-back state title games, although they lost both times to the same team in Texas. All things told, he finished his high school career with 4,823 rushing yards, 2,004 receiving yards, and 116 touchdowns. That's Reggie Bush production in the high school level. He was also named the 2020... I put 2002 right here, which would be impressive because he was born in 2001. The 2020 Gatorade Texas Track and Field Athlete of the Year, posting the best 4 by 100 relay time nationally. That's 40.4. I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty good. He also placed first in the 200 meters at the 2019 5A State Championship. That was the best time in the nation. And he also posted a personal best in the 100 meters at 10.53. He was the number four overall all-purpose back in that 2020 recruiting class, and he chose Texas A&M with offers from Georgia, Texas, USC, Bama, Florida State, LSU, and Houston. Wow. His personal best at Texas A&M included 10.14 100-meters 20.2 200 meters and 6.63 60 meters and to put those numbers in perspective and yes I am repeating this from a previous podcast because I talked about a chain a lot the standard 200 meter time for Olympic trial qualifiers is 20.24 he's under that we have Olympic speed in the backfield now Back to football, he posted 2,376 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns in his college career, averaging 6.4 per rush. He also added 65 for 554 and five touchdowns catching the football. He also had a kickoff return in back-to-back seasons there at College Station. He ran for 705 yards last season after the initial tackler missed him, or or they bring him down, but he falls forward for extra yards. That's an average of 3.6 yards after contact per rush. And if you guys watched AM last year, not a very good run blocking team. There was lots of trash he had to navigate his way through. And PFF had him with 117 runs on zone scheme and 79 in gap man scheme. Very diverse usage in terms of his pre-snap alignments, which caters to his ability to catch the football. He is so smooth transitioning from receiver to runner once he secures the football. He forced 53 missed tackles this year on 196 rushing attempts. Again, no math guy here, but that's better than one for every four attempts. And when he makes you miss, it's usually a lot more yardage after the fact because of the speed and the way he opens up from a really stationary position and how quickly he can get up to top speed. So fun player, man. Let's go ahead and talk about the tape here next. We'll do that on the other side and hear from Devon as well. That's the next Draft Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. We enjoy spending time with you, getting to know you, and so we're on the clock here. So, uh, well, hey, uh, our head coach uh, is probably the most excited man in this building. Hey, you're still fast, right? Hey, buddy, congrats, man. Um, you, you earned it. Uh, celebrate, okay? This is uh, this is the start of something real cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Right. Hey, man, you got two happy guys that we got you, you know? So I look forward to meeting you, and, uh, you know, you got to bring your speed, baby. There you hear the call from a very fired-up Mike McDaniel who was fist-pumping in the war room here at the Baptist Health Studios. Not the Baptist Health Studios, the Baptist Health Training Complex. You don't come back to the studios. This is my territory. But those that have heard the podcast and the run-up to the draft know how much I like this player. Gosh, I love speed in the backfield. Gosh, I love hitting home runs in the ground game, and that's what A-Chain do, baby. He had 18 runs of 15 yards or more each of the last two years. That's 36 total, 18 times 2, 36 runs. Uh, Instant offense in the ground game. And when you plug on his tape, he created so much from nothing. I talked about the A&M offensive line in the previous segment. They lost two players to the NFL last year, including first-round pick Kendrick Green uh, to the Houston Texans. And the blocking took a hit, but the running production, it did not. I think that speaks to A-Chain's vision and his ability to find tiny creases, his agility, and his ability to take off for big gains when he did find those creases. I think you see that lateral agility and pure speed really open up on those long runs where he squirts through but also as a wide receiver, the attention that he commands when the offense catches the defense in a base look and he can get himself isolated on a linebacker or a safety to follow him out in motion, that generates so much to think about from a vertical stretch standpoint, but also the other element of the offense that can be forgotten sometimes, the horizontal stretch. And we saw 10-17, and 17, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle eat in the middle of the football field last year. And this is a player who would help create even more space with the speed on the perimeter as a route runner, but also on the play action looks where you stretch that thing out and you have to a sprint to a spot and show that football and show the defense that we could potentially run this ball off tackle. You better get your butt out there because if you don't, I'm going to hand this thing off and he's going to get you to the edge. He's going to win that edge and he's going to be off to the races and it's going to be up to your safeties to get him to the ground. Otherwise, it's a touchdown. And then we can put the ball back into his hands and then turn around and flip it into the vacancy created behind those linebackers because of that outside zone stretch. I think you saw that with Raheem Mostert last year. And that's when I began to really truly understand his value and appreciate what Raheem brought to this offense because of the speed that he brings and the way you threaten the perimeter in the ground game, it forces defense to have to commit and choose, like pick your poison. You can't give up the edge in the running game because if you do that, 
teams are going to take it all day long and they can safely hit 12, 15, 80 yard runs because you're playing the pass. Like we never have to go to that. And then once you start to commit to the run game, that's when the pass starts to come into play too and vice versa. So it just gives you even more on those stretch or those toss plays running wide. All of that over commitment was always bad news for the pass defense when Tua pulled the ball back in last year. I think that A-Chain carries the 180 pounds very well. He can absorb contact and squeeze through, and that's in rare instances where tacklers actually get a clean shot on him. He rarely takes a squared-up shot because of his shiftiness. He's got such smooth hands catching the football out of the backfield. PFF only had him with two drop passes all year last year, and he can really set defenders up when he gets those two-way goes. So it's not just flexing out to run a route, but think about the space this offense creates from its wide receivers and then you've got another home run threat who kind of replaces that displacement. It's a really good way for Tua to have quick options in the passing game and to mitigate blitzes and unfavorable box counts against the rush or just out-and-out whiffs and pass protection. I think adding Berrios and then adding A-Chain and how having those two quick outlet options can really be a boost to pass protection in its own right. It doesn't always have to come you know, from an insular aspect of how you improve things. I think our thoughts about how teams create solutions for those issues, I think that we get too narrow-minded in those thoughts. And I think this is a great example of that. We heard Chris Greer say the team is not done adding, and we are currently looking at a similar line that helped generate the number six offense in football last year. I said that on the first podcast tonight because I just don't understand why, why we have folks that believe this offense can't function with the way it is right now. You already have the important pieces. You have the quarterback. You have the two receivers. You have you know three guys that performed really well on the offensive line. We'll see about the rest. And now you have a backfield just chock full of speed and guys that can hit home runs and help you generate the run game that has the passing game that plays off of it. And now Tua has even more weapons at his disposal to help one of the quickest time to throw quarterbacks in the NFL do what he does best and process and distribute the football quickly because now you have Berrios who can, you know, get cornerback three or four on him. He can beat that guy quickly in a two-way go situation and post up in that four or five yard range to help convert your third and short. Or you can have A-Chain do it where you get a Texas route on the on the on a linebacker. Or you have the receivers who have displaced, you know, space in the middle of the field, and all of a sudden Tua is gonna say, I'm happy to take a check down to A-Chain because I know he's gonna run for eight yards before anybody gets to him because he's that fast. I think the vision that A-Chain has is what allows him to maximize that speed because in the route running, the the wiggle, he just sees it, and from a running perspective as well, how he presses it, how he feels the flow of the play and then hits that thing. He forces that overcommitment I talked about a lot because of how aggressive he is in pressing the gap. So when you have a run as a running back, you have a certain gap or a certain target that you're shooting for, and you want to press that lane as fast as you can because that forces the second-level defenders to commit to their gap and or even a, a defensive lineman who's playing two-gap to shed his block one way. And if you've pressed it in a certain way and then you can anticipate him you know, coming off of his block in the wrong gap, you bounce that thing back the other way, all of a sudden you've got a vacant gap. And with this guy getting all the way back to the, to the, to the bend-back lane, and you look at a lot of his big runs, the bend-back lane. So again, let's do some more explanation here. So you have your bounce, your bang, and your bend. Bounce is when you kick it outside. Your bang is when you drop your shoulders and run to the gap that you're supposed to go to. And your bend is when you get backside to the, the backside of the formation after over-pursuit. And if you look at a lot of his big runs, it's when he forces that over-pursuit by the aggressive pressing of that gap, then gets all the way to that bend-back lane, and you're out the back gate. And once again... <laughs> You better have some four three corners that can run this guy down because once he gets in space, he gone. 
The best part about all of this is you can utilize the passing game skills because he's plenty good in pass pro as well. He drops his pads on guys, and that will, you know, to, to do that is a testament to his football character and love of the game. And I found this great blur from the Dane Brugler Athletic, um, the beast, the, 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 uh, the, why am I making weird noises? The uh, draft guide that he offers from the athletic. And first of all, he never fumbles, A-Chain does, just two in his career. He covered some punts and didn't ask questions about that. Like, why is my start running back gunning on punts? Because he can. And exhibited strong football character by his actions. This is from the beast here. Uh, A-Chain suffered a foot injury in 2022. And rather than shutting it down for the year and going to the NFL draft, he said that he owed it to his teammates to get back for the season finale against LSU, where he rushed for 215 yards and forced 16 missed tackles in that game. And that left Jimbo Fisher to say this about A-Chain. He's a tremendous human being, player, leader, competitor, and has nothing but heart and toughness about him in everything he does. I am fired up about this dude. Let's go ahead and hear from the man himself, Devon A-Chain, and start here with this question. That was asked by your boy. I asked him, how did you, how was that 30 visit you took down here? We heard from Chris Greer, which you'll hear just in a second, who spoke about having A-Chain down here for a visit. So I wanted to know, what did you think of Miami, the building, the people down here? Here's A-Chain. Um, it, it was great. Um, like you said, it was great around. The building facility was, was nice. Uh, when I came down there, you know, it, it was a little rainy. So I guess, you know, it was, you know, a little luck that I came down there on that day. Everybody was saying, you know, it really done rain down here. But, you know, it still was a pretty fun visit. You know, like I said, uh, me and Jane Water, you know, we're really good friends. So, you know, we communicate. So I feel like, you know, me being there and the visit I took and the, and the interaction with the coaches was great as well. So I just feel like I was able to, you know, be myself and I was very, very calm. Next question here was, can you run between the tackles? Which is an interesting question, but I liked his answer. So let's go ahead and hear from the new Miami Dolphins running back. Um, yes, sir. I feel like I can run in between tackles outside. Um, like when I was at AM, I feel like most of my runs were in between tackles. I mean, uh, everybody see me and uh, the fast guy, so they think, you know, he just want to run outside. But most of my runs and my touchdowns are in between tackles. So I feel like I'm, I can run anywhere. If the ball's in my hand, I feel like I'm capable to do great things with it. And me running between tackles is not a problem that I have. I always love hearing this next answer. What was it like meeting Coach McDaniel? Everyone's got their own unique story. Um, it was great, man. You know, he's a great coach. You know, got a funny sense of humor. You know, um, he always keeps you on your toes. And you know, like, so I'm a very fast guy. So he'll come up and ask me like this uh, funny question. Like, are you still fast? Like, he just, you know, he's a great coach out there around. So, you know, me, you know, having a coach as, such as him, I feel I'm just thankful and blessed that he's my he's my coach. And I can't wait to get out there and just um, see what he has in store for me. One last one here. I mentioned the relationship the uh, Jimbo Fisher and he clearly had there at College Station. Let's go next here to a question about Jimbo Fisher and what he taught you about playing in the National Football League. Um, Because Fisher, you know, man, he's a great coach. And I was happy to be able to be under him for three years. Uh, he taught me a lot. Um, uh, we always had that relationship with him that we could talk more than just football. We could talk about the real life. And he always kept it, kept it 100. He always kept it real. And that was something that I liked about him. You know, he, he never, he never, um, no one, you know, lied to me. I feel like we had that relationship where, you know, if I needed something or, it was something that I needed an answer to. He was able to give me that. So, man, just learning from him, man, you know, he always said, you know, people going to question your size. But, you know, as long as you got that confidence and the mentality that, you know, that I have, and you confident yourself that you can go out there and do, you know, whatever you want. So he always told me, you know, uh, you know, people going to have their opinions on you. You know, social media. So he always told me, don't worry about social media. And just go out there and play and do what you do. All right, there you go. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and hear from Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer at their day two press conference recapping 
day two of the 2023 NFL Draft. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. A Saturday morning now into the midnight hour recording this podcast. Let's go ahead and pick this back up in our final segment here with Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel's post-draft, post-night two media availability. We heard from Chris Greer discussing Cam Smith and that selection. I wanted to ask Chris and, and Mike about, you know, what did last year tell you about needing depth at that cornerback position? But he kind of answered it here right away off the jump in the first question. Let's go ahead and play that soundbite. Yeah, with us, um, you know, Cam's a very talented fo- uh, football player. Uh, we're excited to add him, and uh, competition will always add at every position, as we talked about here. So um, it was the opportunity for us to, at that point in the draft, add a, a really talented football player uh, that, that fit. And in this league, and especially the AFC, with a lot of talented quarterbacks and teams, uh, we can never have enough corners as we experienced last year, you know, with the rash of injuries that we dealt with. So. Excited to add him. He's excited to come, and, and so we're looking forward to working with him. I love this next answer here from Chris Greer when he was asked about the tight end and offensive line position, and he told you before the draft, if you go into a draft thinking you have to draft certain positions, it's the best way to guarantee a lack of success in the draft, and I keep seeing all his complaints about Dolphins drafts. Well, I'll say it again for the 4,000th time on the podcast. Go look at Miami Dolphins drafts since 2016 compared to other teams. I promise you you're not going to find 10 better drafting teams over that period. I promise you, you're not going to find seven, maybe not even five. Just go do it. Report back to me. Let me know what you find. I've done the research. Go ahead and do it yourself. Do your own research, right? We talk about that a lot in this country. All right. Anyway, that's a a rant for another day. Um, Here he is talking about the tight end and offensive line and how, believe it or not, talent acquisition does not end in the month of April. You know, when we do our board, um, we go through it and and there were a lot of good players um, that were picked too, you know, ahead of us. Um, So, um, we look at every position, we go through it. You know, I think you guys are probably more worried than we are, <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, um, at the position depth at, at those uh, spots you talked about. But um, at the end of the day, we, we added a good football player. We're happy. And like we said, you know, the draft, it doesn't end with the draft. You know, there's still, you know, guys we're talking to and free agency on the streets. And um, so we're still working through it and we'll keep adding the, the players that think fit for us. I was so stoked to hear this answer from Coach McDaniel. What do you envision for the speed that Devon A. Chain offers your offense? Here's Coach. Speed we generally like around here. 
Um, but I think it's more you, you, you feel like uh, there's, a, there's a fit in terms of a guy fitting within your existing team. You, you know, always keep in mind that you're adding players to a team um, and, and really think that um, that group in particular um, is all, uh, the running back group for us is very important. And, uh, you know, you find a person player that, that fits your skill set that you like, but also um, that fits within the room um, because we have some other um, good competition in there as well. So real, real excited to add uh, a player to a group. And uh, he, he is fast. And um, Chris and I share that uh, we, we do have affection for that trait. Here's Coach McDaniel further explaining kind of the team's approach to adding talent and how taking the best player regardless of position is always the aim and how he and Chris Greer are both lockstep in that approach. You're trying to do the best thing as your collection of people have decided um, that's available to you at the time. So, you know, you, uh, you, you'd always try to position yourself and um, go in the draft to be able to take the best player um, regardless of position. And, um, you know, sometimes you have depth more in other places than not, but we're not going to – we're not going um, uh, to take away the opportunity to have good players in our team. Um, it, it's more of, you know, our, the players shape what the team looks like. So if we, have a, if we have the ability to get a good player, we'll never turn that down. And then um, it, it is – there's a lot of action. We've had we had a lot of contributors um, uh, that we added to our team post uh, post draft last year that were very impactful during the regular season as well as post um, the first game of the season. So you're always um, tinkering. Uh, that's something that um, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Chris might be half vampire because he's never sleeping because he's always evaluating something. So. Um, I, I think that will always be the case with us. And how about that reaction to the A change draft pick, Coach? How'd you feel about that? Uh, this is just this is just like you know camaraderie between two work associates. Certain people have opinions that he'll be there. Certain people don't. Um, and I was really excited that Chris was right that that the, that a player was there. So um, you know you, you get excited about all the players. We uh, you know it's just. Really, it, it's down to the um, TV producers who decide when they catch you because apparently, um, as it's become aware to me, that uh, the first pick I was um, texting my wife and had my shoe on the table. So uh, I get, we get excited for all of our players, and uh, that's just because of the amount of work um, that we all put in uh, over an extended period of time to figure out who those players are. All righty, and there you have it. It's time for me to go home and go to bed, come back on Saturday and do it all over again. Only going to have one podcast for the Sunday or uh, Sunday, Saturday draft portion, day three. We'll recap the two draft picks. We'll recap Coach and Chris's press conference post-draft, and we'll also get the pressers of round six and round seven players. Until that time, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with my guys, Seth and Juice. Check out the team YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins Today and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron. This time, Daddy's coming home.